Okay, so like I said, this business meeting is about brand, sorry, Blue Ocean Strategy. And I thought it was important to bring this back from our last business meeting. What Jerry Garcia said, we didn't want to be the best at what we did. We wanted to be the only ones doing what we did. So Blue Ocean Strategy. Blue Ocean Strategy is a book that was written by uh, two authors, uh, Chan Kim and Renee, uh, I believe it's pronounced Malberg. Ma- uh, I read it a couple years ago, but then also picked up the Harvard Business Review article, uh, which is what we're going to be focused on today. So all these slides are for Har- from Harvard Business Review, and I don't know if any of you all read Harvard Business Review, but they analyze a lot of data and present kind of a complex topic in very, very simple terms. So what is Blue Ocean Strategy? The case study in this book is Cirque du Soleil. Has anybody been to Cirque du Soleil? It's amazing, right? It's amazing. Well, Guy, I'm going to mispronounce his name, Guy Laliberte, uh, was an accordion player, stilt walker, and fire eater. And in 1984, he co-founded Cirque du Soleil, which is one of Canada's largest exports. Now, soon after founding it, Cirque du Soleil was bringing in revenue that took Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey a hundred years to reach. You know, the Three Ring Circus had been around for over a century when Cirque du Soleil was introduced. And so what he was able to do is Cirque du Soleil increased sales profitably 22 times in 10 years at a time when three-ring circuses were drastically declining. And why why was that happening? When's the last time someone went to a three-ring circus? Even in the 2000s? Has anybody been to one in the 2000s? Yeah, not for years. Um, they've been experiencing long-term, de- long-term decline really since the 80s because what happened in the 80s, you had the introduction of technology. Nintendo, video games, everybody was getting TV, and that's where all children's attention was going because that's what we're in the business of is attention. That's why Facebook is so popular. That's where everybody's attention is. So... Children were always the mainstay of the audience uh, for circuses. And also, if you remember, activist groups popped up and animal cruelty, animal cruelty became a big issue and how these animals were being treated. So all of this pressure caused the circus audience to shrink. But also, the circus costs were incredibly high. Uh, they had to have star performers. They had to have... You know, lions and tigers and bears. Oh, my. Okay, at least two of y'all were participating. Thank you. So the cost didn't go down as demand was shrinking, and poor market conditions were only part of the problem. Uh, But no one really challenged Ringling Brothers and Barnum & Bailey because they had been the market leaders for over a century. And the standard to get into that market was so high. Where are you going to go buy a tiger or lions, or, you know, all these acrobats. So how did Cirque defy the odds in this setting, in such a dismal environment? Well, 
they did by the title of their very first show. Does anybody know what their very first show was called? It's called We, in- we Reinvent the Circus. That was one of their very first shows. And so what did they do? They created a blue ocean. And they pulled in a whole new group of customers, adults, corporate clients, who enjoyed theater, opera, Broadway shows, ballet, and they created an unprecedented experience for this audience because they, they broke the boundary. And for those of you who've been to a Cirque performance, it is something completely different than anything else. So what did they do? They took the whole circus market and they took the theater market and they created a blue ocean in the middle of those by blending them and doing something that no one else had done before. And so, what is a red ocean? Well, we're going to get to that. Uh, Red oceans represent all the industries and markets that exist today. People are competing in existing markets. You come to Columbus, Georgia, and you want to sell cars, you're competing with Rivertown Ford, Buick, uh, Auto Nation, those industries are competing with each other for a limited amount of customers. So they've got to find a way to beat the competition. They've got to exploit existing demand. They come out with slogans, you know, employee pricing or, you know, factory discounts. They're competing with each other on all the exact same terms. And as the space gets more and more crowded the competition turns to bloody, water, to bloody water, which is why you call it a red ocean. You, know, you think about everyone's competing here, they're cutting prices, creating marketing plans, and that's what creates a red ocean, is no one's really doing anything different. So in a blue ocean, like what Cirque du Soleil did, blue oceans, in contrast, are markets where um, demand's created rather than fought over. Cirque du Soleil was not competing with the three-ring circus. They were attracting a whole new customer and audience by providing something different. And, and so they created uncontested market space. Nobody was doing that. They made the three-ring circus totally irrelevant. None of y'all have been to one in 20 years, right? I don't even know if they exist anymore. I didn't even research that for this presentation, but... I don't know where you go see a three-ring circus anymore. And they created and captured new demand. People still wanted an experience. They just no longer wanted the experience that was being offered by the three-ring model. So if that's what some people are doing, why are companies still competing and focusing on red oceans? Why do they favor this so dramatically over other models? Well, you've got to think about it. It's, if you've been doing something the same way for 100 years, that's almost impossible to change. You know, some of these industries haven't changed at all in the last 50 years. And so the competition among rivals becomes greater and greater, and they continue to focus on just the existing customers. How do we get more people to buy cars this month? How do we get more people to do this? They're all fighting for the same, the same group of customers. 
But by focusing almost entirely on that, companies have ignored a very important part and a more lucrative opportunity, and that's attracting customers. So what is the main difference? So in the red ocean, the traditional strategy that 99% of companies follow, they're looking at value or cost. And in real estate, you have like a flat fee, a flat fee broker. I'll list your house for $350, and I won't call you about anything. I'll just put it on the MLS. That's cost, and that's of no value at all. So then you have people that are providing tremendous amount of value that's at a credibly high cost. And so traditional strategy, it's either or. You can't do both. In blue ocean strategy, you're looking at value and cost simultaneously. That's what value innovation is. So if you look at the bottom of your handout, value innovation, redefining the problem an industry focuses on rather than finding solutions to existing problems. And that's what we're going to do in a little bit for real estate. So remember, when it comes to blue oceans, companies, companies can pursue this at the same time. They can provide a very high value at a high cost, or they can provide reasonable value at a lower cost. They're, they're looking at both. So this is where I kind of need y'all to pay attention a little bit because this is going to help you fill out our sheet. So how did CERT break the value cost trade-off? Cirque du Soleil found that the allure of the circus came down to three things. People love clowns. They love acrobats. And the circus tent setting. They kept these elements but they raised the standard by shifting more to a more sophisticated style. Right? If you've seen those clown costumes, they're not the scary clowns at, a, at your kid's birthday party, right? They are, you know, they're Oscar award-winning productions. And the acrobats, oh my gosh, it, I don't know how people do those things. It's incredible. And the circus tent, you can recognize a circus lay tent, you know, from the airplane. It is it is just an experience in itself. So they glamorized the tent, which most circuses had abandoned. If you looked at a three-ring circus tent, you almost didn't want to go in it. You probably only went in it because you had small children with you and they want to see the tigers, but it, they just abandoned what people felt was really important. So Cirque made all these things more elegant and sophisticated. Now, at the same time, Cirque reduced or eliminated several key elements of the traditional circus experience. They eliminated the three rings, realizing that having multiple things going on at once was a big distraction, and it took away from the experience. So they did away with that. And they, they got rid of star performers, and they dropped the animal acts. Uh, the animal acts was the most expensive piece of that whole experience, you know, feeding elephants, tigers, lions. Uh, so they, they, got rid of, they got rid of all those three things. But then they also reduced the slapstick humor and the danger. And when you've got three tigers in the middle of a tent with 3,000 people, that's kind of dangerous. Um, 
you know, and a lot of things started happening, actually. So they reduced that. And so by raising, eliminating, and reducing, they injected new elements that inspired the world of theater. They created a storyline, created their own original music. And that's what kept people coming back is because it was different every single time. I don't know how many different uh, experiences Cirque has created, but um, they've been around since the 80s. And if you go to, no Cirque show is the same. They're all different. So how did that happen? Cirque had a shift in mindset. And this is why I thought this was relevant for real estate is because it's not always about the technology. Some new technology is not going to replace building a valuable relationship with your clients. It might help remind you. It might send out a message faster. But technology is not always the way to innovate your business. So what kind of strategic logic went into creating Blue Oceans? Well, first companies have to realize that the common tendency is to think about new markets in terms of technological breakthroughs. Just because I've got, hey, if I get the iPhone 10, I'm going to sell $10 million worth of real estate, right? No, you can take a better picture, probably shoot better videos that may help you market yourself better, which may lead to selling more real estate or being more productive. But at least not yet, my iPhone is not going to sell real estate. Maybe, you know, maybe it will. I, I hope not. Um, but this technology is not going to change your whole business. But tech, new technology is involved in how we manage our business. And... It's evolved, but a lot of times the technology already exists. Think about uh, Henry Ford. Henry Ford didn't invent the assembly line. The assembly line already existed from the meatpacking industry. He just took that technology and applied it to manufacturing automobiles. But he gets the credit for creating the assembly line, right? It's because in meatpacking, the assembly line is not very glamorous technology. So, why are Blue Oceans so important? Well, companies that create Blue Ocean strategies and use it, they don't experience competition for uh, 10 to 15 years. Uh, No one's challenged Cirque yet. And they started in 84. Yet no one's been able to even compete with what they're doing. Because they have such high barriers imitation. They create a very complex experience. You know, same thing, uh, it's true with FedEx, Southwest Airlines. Well, maybe not Southwest currently. Um, but the reason is that Blue Ocean Strategies, they create considerable economic, organizational, cognitive barriers to imitation. If you've been to a Cirque event, you go back because no one else is doing that. No, no one's providing that kind of experience, so it's really hard to imitate. So how does that all apply to real estate? That's why y'all are here today, and that's what we want to talk about for a minute or two, is how can we apply, and let me go back a few slides, 
how can we break the value cost trade-off in real estate? You know, if we were if we were creating a new real estate model in Columbus, Georgia, if we go back and look, things we need to raise, you know, what are what are one or two things that are important to clients about the real estate transaction when you're buying or selling a home? I wrote in here, communication, right? That's the number one thing people complain about after a transaction is they didn't communicate with me enough. I didn't know what was going on. Yet no one has really done anything to improve that communication where either it's easier for a client to know what's going on or it's easier for you to spend time with them. So if we look at that, what, what, what do you all think that's something that, that we need to raise our attention on in, in the transaction, in that experience? Having a Tesla, I love Teslas, but you, it's not going to open the house, right, or talk to them. It might, make, might give you more time when you turn on the autonomous driving button to turn around and talk to them. Um, but the technology is not going to change that. So what, besides communication, what's something y'all think could stand improvement in the real estate transaction that, that isn't happening? So, so have like a real relationship, yeah. you know, actually help them, you know, build a real relationship where you can help them with more than just the transaction. Okay. I like that, Ruthie. What else, if, what else do y'all think is important if you were buying or selling a house that you would want your real estate agent to elevate or raise in that experience? Ed, so maybe the, you know, the agent could educate their clients better? Okay. All right. Okay. Okay. So maybe probably the education piece is on the contract to close part. What, you know, a lot of stuff happens there. Okay. All right. That's good. What... What needs to be eliminated? What do people complain about the most during a real estate transaction? So they, what do they, what about the follow-up, Ansley, that there isn't any? Okay. So have, um, so we would eliminate not doing nothing, or not, not eliminate not following a plan, just eliminating, just crossing our fingers and hoping they do their job. Okay, so, all right. 
what, what else do you all think um, needs to be removed from this process? That's, you know, what, what's redundant about what we're doing? You know, the, do you need to physically, you talk about following up, should you have to get on the phone to contact someone at an attorney's office or their lender to get something that could be uploaded to a portal or automatically sent? You know, that, I, that's part of the follow-up is other people, there's so many other people involved, how do we know we have to make them follow up with us to keep this ball going? What? Need to maybe eliminate eliminate unknown processes or unknown status. I'm just say eliminate the unknown. There's a lot of stuff you don't. That's why you have, you don't know. They're not telling you. Okay. I like that. What do we want? What do we want to reduce in the real estate experience? Obviously, I put stress. Um, unknown could be in there too. But what? You know, people. It's emotional process. People are still going to have some stress. But if you reduce some of the stress. What's something else we couldn't eliminate, but maybe we could reduce a little bit or, or minimize? Um, you know, time spent looking at houses I can't afford, or some people like to do that professionally for like months and years, like to look professional lookers. So what, what do you think clients would want us to reduce when we're helping them buy or sell real estate? Is it time to buy a house? I mean, in a market like this, you know, you don't have a lot of time to make decisions. Or is it reduce, um, reduce the confusion they have maybe about the process? Okay. Do we need to, do they want us to reduce the decisions they have to make when buying or selling a house? They, most, most of them just want to be included in the decision. Um, they want to reduce the number of phone calls from their real estate agent? No? Okay. Is that an issue? Do people complain about the fact that they had to make four offers that got rejected? They want to reduce multiple offers? They want it to be easier to buy a house, they think it's hard to buy a house. Some houses aren't hard to sell right now because of the market. But what would, if we reduce stress, what else would we want to reduce? Money spent on the transaction? Okay. So maybe the the financial investment? Okay. About renegotiating during due diligence because of inspections. Okay. You want to eliminate inspections? Yeah, I mean, I mean, but but seriously, Chrissy, if 
if someone, cert, you know, if you went around and had a home certified, you know, stamped, and then you list the house, and I've got a certified inspection from, you know, Warren Buffett's company, what, you know, whatever entity did that, would you need to even inspect the house? You'd still maybe walk through it, but if there was a wait, I mean, that's something that could be eliminated, right? That's a great idea. You'll have to think of, you'll have to think about it. That's what Rocket Mortgage is trying to do, which is owned by who? Quick Quicken? Rocket Mortgage is trying to eliminate the fact like they're just taking existing technology to change a process. Do I need to go sit down with a lender if I have all my financial information and I can apply for a loan right here on my phone? Give you access to all my bank accounts? I mean, that's really what we're talking about is how do you you know, how do you eliminate the time that's involved in buying or selling a house? That's a great one, Christy. So what I'm going to do is, is take y'all's notes, and I'll report back to you later, but this is what everybody wants. A clear path to home ownership. And everybody has a different style and way in which they present that, but not... We're not changing the way Bickerstaff Parm does real estate, okay? That's not the goal today. The goal today was just to get you all to think about how we could use technology that already exists to raise our attention and service and maybe eliminate some things from the process possibly, reduce some of the stress or other things, and then create a better way to serve our clients have a value innovation for our clients. You know, that's what clients want. They're looking for value. They're looking for someone that will make this process easy. Any, any other thoughts you all want to add to any of these columns? I mean, there's no judgment here. I'm not saying this is even possible. We're just talking out loud. Yes, Ruthie. So, may, so maybe, let me see if I heard you correctly. So maybe raise the personal interaction, the personal attention well, with...
Right. So you gotta understand who you're dealing with, and every case is always so different. And that's the first thing you have to do. And if you transaction, you have to understand who the parties are on both sides. You're, who you're representing, and the others are, what their motivation is. Mm -hmm. So what, what I'm hearing is y'all, everyone still believes that some of the tradi I don't want to say traditional, but the relationship, the personal interaction is still going to be very important. That some people are preferring to use maybe technology initially. If everyone was using that technology to enhance the personal interaction relationship, that would maybe create a clear path to home ownership. Not everybody's going to use the technology, but if Guarantee Mortgage had the Rocket Mortgage app and when I left her office I could just upload my stuff, that would be awesome to physically meet with an expert and then electronically upload everything. That would save so much time. Okay? Let me go back. Thank you all for doing this. this. This was fun. Again, we're not changing the way we do business. Just want to listen to you all's ideas. Uh, so we can think about how we create value for our clients because that's how they're judging us. They're judging us on the experience that we create. And I want to leave you all with this. The only way to beat the competition is to stop trying to beat the competition. Just because somebody's using this app or someone's driving this car or someone's, someone's got a billboard about their neighborhood, so what? Stop trying to beat the competition because that's not the way you're going to beat them you're going to beat the competition by understanding what your customers value and creating an experience for them that no one else can compete with because no one else is like each and every one of you and what did oscar wilde say be yourself everyone else is already taken you know y'all are all unique individuals and that's why you each have your own blue ocean and you're not competing with even each other in this office or I don't think other agents in the market if you learn how to create an experience that your clients can't get anywhere else. So, appreciate you all being here today. Don't worry about beating the competition. You are the competition. Thank you all.